Praise be Jesus Christ, and welcome to our fourth episode of CarmelCast. I'm Brother Pierre Giorgio of Christ the King. And I'm Brother John Mary of Jesus Crucified. CarmelCast is a production of the Institute of Carmelite Studies Publications. For more information, visit icspublications.org. So today we're going to talk about what I think is actually a very interesting and exciting topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about passive prayer. Um, it's also a topic I think that's, uh, there's a lot of mystery around. It's something that's very, it's hard to put into words. It's hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're, we definitely need to, I think we, we need to proceed with some sort of, some, some caution because right. it's something that can't really be put clearly um, into words. Uh, and we, we started talking about this topic a little bit uh, last week um, about passive prayer and how God works um, in our prayer life, uh, where at the beginning, perhaps we're doing more of the work, more active prayer. And uh, over time, we will find that God is is doing more of the work for us. Right. And we use the analogy that St. Teresa of Avila uses with the four waters and how um, drawing water from a well is more active um, but we can uh, innovate on our ways of drawing water, and God uh, brings those about um, through um, aspects of passive prayer and degrees of passive prayer um, from using a water wheel or having a stream run through our garden or even, um, you know, for rain to fall on it uh, directly from God. Those, that, that's how Teresa sort of explains that, um, the degrees um, of moving from active to more passive prayer. Right. And, and something that I think we'll experience perhaps in our prayer as this is happening is um, just that our prayer becomes more simplified mm-hmm. um, as it becomes more passive. It becomes more simple. Um, so perhaps if we spend a lot of time um, meditating or, you know, reflecting over uh, t- teachings of the church or reading a lot of books or doing a lot of vocal prayers, um, we'll find that those become more and more simplified as we step aside and allow God to do more of the work in us during the time of prayer. Right. St. Teresa of Avila uses the example in the way of perfection um, of how uh, at one point um, someone may be having to pray our fathers over and over and over again. Um, And she says that even though God heard us in the first our father, right, sometimes it takes that long for us to... um, to, to recognize God's presence in that time of prayer. And that as prayer becomes more simplified, um, even in active prayer, uh, that, want, that those Our Fathers kind of turn into one Our Father that maybe lasts the whole length of um, our time in prayer. Right. And I think we'll also find ourselves perhaps just making little acts of love uh, throughout our time of prayer to help to focus us on, back on God, um, yeah, to really kind of stir our, our will to love God, um, but it will be less occupied with making constant lots, lots of movements in our mm-hmm. prayer. Um, so maybe one thing to, to talk about now is just, yeah, what, wh- I mean, we, we, we're kind of talking about it, but what exactly is passive prayer? I mean, it's hard to explain. We said that it's, it's really, it's when God begins uh, taking over and doing more of the work in our times of prayer, 
Um, but also, I think using John of the Cross's definition here is very helpful. Um, he talks about this type of prayer as an, an influx of God into the soul. Um, so whereas before we use these means of prayer as sort of, um, yeah, they become, uh, they mediate our experience. They help us to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to reach, reach God, whether that be through words or, um, through thoughts, things like images. Um, whereas this type of prayer is, it's really, uh, it's a, it's more of a direct contact with God himself. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why this is so difficult to talk about, uh, John's definition is great, the influx of God into the soul. Um, but because it's so nuanced, like these, uh, this, this, this is God's work, right? Um, so, uh, just as, um, you know, God is, is with, is, uh, working in us in this prayer, he's, he's coming into our soul. Uh, so that looks different for everybody. Um, and different, uh, uh, different souls who have experienced this prayer have experienced it in slightly different ways or maybe with different emphases um, or with more um, of their personality as opposed to a more sort of general or scientific or theological understanding. Um, it, it can be different for everybody. Um, I mean, there, and there's, there's definitions galore, too. I mean, um, one of my favorite definitions is from um, the 17th century Discalced Carmelite Friars in Spain in Salamanca. Um, and... Their definition uh, talks about how um, this this sort of supernatural prayer um, is simply um, a gaze upon truth uh, under the influence of love. I think is their definition. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point about how this is. I mean, it's the same God who's acting in all of us, but because we are also different. I think it's Saint Thomas is the one who talks about that God works in the mode of the receiver. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's. God acts in, in one way because he is one, um, but we all receive that uh, based on who we are as people, based on our, our, um, our personality, our culture, our past experiences, our ideas of God. And so every single person, because we're all so different, is going to have a different experience of this. And so I find, it, yeah, it's hard to talk about because often people will ask questions and they, they want to know like, well, what is what is this going to be like? And it's, it just, yeah, it's, you can't give an answer to that because the way that I experience it is going to be very different from the way that someone else will. Yeah. The, the line, um, that God, that God, you know, imparts through the mode of the receiver and also grace builds upon nature. If we want to continue with St. Thomas Aquinas, um, this idea that, uh, our nature, um, is, is sort of the baseline, right? And, um, God adds to that supernaturally. That's the, the even the, the, um, the etymology of the words of our nature and then God's super nature above our nature and how that, um, is added onto, um, from, from, um, the divine nature, the super nature. Yeah. And we can see this, this diversity in the way that, that this is experienced. Um, I think, very clearly just by looking at our own founders, at looking at St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross, um, because they both write about this kind of passive prayer, yet they write about it in nuanced ways mm-hmm. um, because of, of who they were as people and, and how they experienced it. So a lot of people read about um, reading Teresa of Avila, the interior castle especially, you'll read about these great ecstasies and things like that. But uh, John says, a lot less about those things. And his experience is more one of 
uh, dryness or maybe like an, an emptiness almost, mm. which is, seems so different than Teresa's um, very just like passionate, like fullness that she experienced in mm. this same type of prayer. Yeah, Teresa uh, likes to sort of dissect the different nuances of the different ways that God's acted in her soul and the way that she's uh, experienced that in guiding um, guiding the people who came to her for spiritual guidance as well. Um, whereas John, I think, sees, St. John the Cross sees it more um, as sort of from an, from you know, an eagle eye sort of perspective where he kind of uh, sees that, well, these are all doing the same thing. This is God uh the influx of God into the soul. Right. Um, and it's, that's very simple, no matter what, uh, you know, nuance sort of experience that Teresa experiences throughout her life, John sees uh, the work of grace. Right. Yeah. And so we can't, yeah, we shouldn't necessarily just like read, um, you know, about someone's experience of ecstasy and, and uh, assume that that's going to be our same experience and be looking for that experience because that's not, God knows how to lead us best. And so in this type of prayer, really, we just have to be open and receptive uh, to what he wants to give us because he's going to give us what's most necessary for our own growth. So now maybe we can transition to, um, yeah, I think questions arise when when people start begin to experience more passive prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, as we mentioned, at, at times the our, our our active prayer, the amount of work that we are doing will just naturally be, become more simple perhaps um, as we progress. And so then people begin to, at times, we, they may, they're, they're worried. They're saying, well, what's happening? Um, you know, before I used to be able to pray, you know, three rosaries during my, my holy hour, and now I can only pray one. Or, you know, we have these people become worried that they're becoming lazy or um that, yeah, they're not, they're failing to pray. Um, and John of the Cross, I mean, he obviously experienced people with these same fears because this is what he writes about is um, how do we know, what are the signs that God is calling us to this more passive kind of prayer? Yeah, and I think, again, that can be different for everybody. Um, and I think there's definitely clear distinctions between uh, men and women, for instance, or uh, maybe even... Um, different sort of uh, temperaments that people have that, um, that these, these sort of, uh, yeah, these changes in our, in our prayer life, um, may, uh, yeah, it's just, it's sort of a different sort of feeling for everybody and different signs for different people. But, um, St. John of the Cross does say that there are some sort of general, uh, signs, I guess, of uh, God calling a soul to more passive prayer. Right. Yeah. And so the, these are, um, he actually, he gives these three, signs um, in the Ascent of Mount Carmel, but also in his work, The Dark Knight. Um, and there, there's slightly, he uses slightly different wording uh, between the two works, but um, he has the same basic idea of what these three signs are. Um, so maybe we could just talk briefly about what these signs are. Mm-hmm. Um, the first sign being that uh, the soul no longer has a, uh, or no longer has the ability to meditate. Yeah. And Going back to our second episode where we talked about um, discursive meditation, I think this is what John has in mind. And in this sign, this inability um, to meditate is—I think it comes from it, it just being seeming like your uh, in discursive meditation, like your brain is just glue or something like that. Um, and that's, I think, a common experience that many people have. 
But yeah, I know for myself, when I was first experiencing kind of a, a reversion to the faith in college, I, I, I mentioned this earlier, how I just, I was drawing so much over meditating over the teachings of the church. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in prayer, I was getting all these great insights. Um, yeah, I was, I, I, I was really enjoying that time of prayer because I felt like um, I was, I was really growing a lot in my faith. Um, but then eventually I felt like those insights were, weren't there anymore. And, mm-hmm. and suddenly it was, yeah, I just, it, it became harder to talk, to, to, to really sit there and, and think about these things. Yeah. I think, I think when we, uh, when certain truths of our faith become more habitual in us and they, they start, they, they, maybe they don't arouse as much affection in us because we're so uh, used to them. Um, it becomes a little bit more ordinary in our life, um, where uh, in prayer uh, is is aimed towards an extraordinary experience. It's aimed towards a supernatural experience, and I think um, that's a good sign that we're kind of drifting away from uh, our natural our natural modes of of relating um, into more supernatural modes, uh, extraordinary modes. Right. Yeah. Because then. Yeah, when when you can no longer meditate in this way, there's again there's this fear of like, well, what am I doing wrong? What what's why is this changed? Um, am I yeah? Am am I just becoming lazy? And what what's happening here? Um, and so yeah, that's why John offers this as one of the signs. Now, one thing that's important about these three signs is John says that all three need to be there. Um, so just having this one sign isn't enough because not having the ability to meditate doesn't necessarily mean that God's calling you to at that time to more passive prayer, it could mean um, you're not perhaps in a physical or just psychological place in order to meditate. Yeah. Um, if you're busy or, or <laughs> asleep, right. Yeah. So this sign on its own isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but then taken with, maybe we can go to the, the second sign now, uh, is that the soul no longer has a desire to meditate. Yeah. And that's why I brought in uh, Teresa's experience a little bit more um, because, um, yeah, for her, it was just so, I mean, she was a very busy woman and uh, she was a very hardworking woman. And when she went to prayer, she was uh, seeking um, sort of a restful, uh, restful time with her Lord. Uh, and that was, that was very important to her prayer. So she really just didn't have time for sort of these really uh, laborious forms of meditation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's even good I mean, we're using the word meditate, but we can even relate this to, like, for example, we gave of, of praying the rosary earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you could find praying the rosary very fruitful for a time, but then you get to a point where um, you find yourself just becoming, yeah, almost unable to finish a rosary. Mm-hmm. And you also find that it just becomes, yeah, a burden to you to pray um, in that way. Mm-hmm. And those are... Both, I think, of these signs that we read about in John of the Cross as well, that perhaps God's calling you then to to approach this in a different way. Right. Um, so, like I said before, this this these two signs aren't enough, even because um, not having the desire to meditate. Uh, John of the Cross even mentions that this could come from uh, perhaps being in a state of mortal sin. Right. Um, there are other things where perhaps we are despondent, we're becoming lazy. Um, so, yeah, this sign isn't enough on its, its own. Self, right. And it's not enough. These two signs together even aren't enough on their own. The focus for him and for Teresa is really on this last sign that they talk about. Um, and this third sign is that 
the soul just desires and and takes pleasure in uh, remaining in a love of a loving attentiveness to God. Yeah. Um, this is the sign. Really, Teresa doesn't talk about three signs. This is really all that she. The mm-hmm. only one that she talks about <laughs> is, um, yeah, this this loving attentiveness, this finding a peace, um, and and a sense of quiet in God's presence. And I think that's why you see that really at the the center focus of her, the method of prayer that she really recommended, the prayer recollection, of active recollection, um, because uh, it was aimed towards this end, right? The aimed towards that loving attentiveness to uh, to the one who is with us, right? Um, and that's uh, was her way of, you know, the way that she wanted uh, her nuns to kind of move in towards that direction. Right. Yeah, and, and John and Teresa... I think they both talk about this as a sort of quiet or peace. Um, but again, we don't want to get the wrong idea about those terms either, because in this, uh, Teresa talks about, I mean, her imagination just running wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and John talks so much about aridity and dryness. Right. Um, so again, I want to stress the point that this is an experience that all of us will have, will experience in different ways. Yeah. Um, and it won't always be a sense of of quiet and peace. Um, on on a on a deeper level, it is, but not necessarily on the the level of our experience. Right. Yeah, and I think that's uh, we have to always be reminding of our, ourselves that even when um, these aspects of our prayer become different or change a little bit, uh, we should always be looking to the fruit that the that this time in prayer is bearing in our life. Um, and how it bears in our relationships and our ability to um, be charitable to the people who live with us and who we work with. And, um, and those are the good sort of signs of seeing that uh, this is not something to be, um, prayer is not something to be sort of left behind because it's, it's changed uh, from something that was at one time uh, exciting and, and new to uh, maybe, yeah, just changing. God's, God starts to work right. a little bit differently. Yeah. And um, yeah, so then we've experienced these these three signs, then we can go through them one more time. So um, the soul can no longer meditate. The soul no longer finds uh, desi- has a desire to meditate. And then the person just wants to rest in a loving attentiveness um, to God. And I think it's, it's, it's important to clarify, too, that um, because when you say them so quickly, I, I think about like it could be confusing to someone to think that um, that this is a, a loss of desire to, to spend time in prayer, um, that, that to not confuse the word meditation with uh, prayer, because that should not that's not occurring in, in this sort of change. Right. 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 And this peaceful, um, this deeper peace, inner peace that we're talking about actually is a, a, a greater desire, I think, for prayer typically. Right. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I mean, I can think of all of these, hearing people's experiences of, you know, they just have this great desire to, to be there with our Lord uh, in the chapel or to be in the silence of their room, but they don't feel like doing anything. They just want to be there with him. Um, or they find that the, the things that they were doing before, whether it be um, more devotional prayers or meditation, they find those more laborious and taxing, and really they just want to rest. Mm-hmm. and be at peace. Um, so, th- I, yeah, I think that these are all uh, good signs that God is calling us to a deeper kind of prayer. Um, and 
Yeah, so then what's our response then? What do we have to do if we are recognizing these own signs in ourselves? Um, I guess, I, I mean, I think the main thing is just to be open to it, right? Mm. Yeah, and be open to it and to be, uh, and not to force it, right? Because uh, like Teresa says, I think it's in the fourth mansion, uh, the fourth dwelling place of the interior castle. Um, I mentioned this earlier that um, we should keep using the things that God's given us, our faculty, the faculties of our soul, our intellect, our will, um, in the way that we're used to using them until God gives those faculties something better to do, right. uh, which is that, that sort of change, uh, and God will initiate that. That's why this is passive prayer. I remember in, in the ascent of Mount Carmel, uh, John, we actually just studied this in our in our formation classes where John talks about these three signs in the ascent of Mount Carmel, but then uh, one of the next chapters, he goes on again about how you must continue to use the intellect in prayer, um, even at the beginning of when you're experiencing these signs. So what he's saying is, um, yes, we should meditate uh, less and be more receptive perhaps to to what God might be offering us, but we don't just like shut all those things down. We don't um, stop praying our devotional prayers. We don't close our uh, spiritual reading, all of that. What he's saying is that we'll become less dependent on those things and perhaps use them less. Right. Yeah, because I think people can get confused, especially with sort of the plurality of different sort of spiritualities that are out there. Um, you know, Carmelite spirituality is not a spirituality where we're sort of emptying our mind or, or consciousness or something like that. That's not, not what Teresa is doing. That's not what John of the Cross is doing. Right. Yeah. And so then our, our time of prayer, um, it's not like it's going to go yeah from one day being totally active to one day just being this sort of emptiness or something yeah, like that. Yeah. What's really happening is that we're going to find that we can just make little acts of love or perhaps uh, um, yeah, rather read something or look at an image, something that sparks our will towards God, towards Jesus Christ, um, and then remain in that attentiveness. And then when we find ourselves distracted, when we find ourselves um, just our mind wandering, then we can use these means again to make another act of love uh, to kind of pull ourselves back. Um, so slowly, yeah, we're our prayer is becoming more simplified. Um, but those those tools are still there uh, and are helpful for us. Mm -hmm. So I think that concerning um, this type of passive prayer and, and God's really invitation to it, I think that we can see two um, perhaps difficulties or, or dangers concerning that. Um, one being trying to force this type of prayer before the time has come, before God is inviting us to it. Mm -hmm. um, and the other danger is perhaps uh, rejecting this type of prayer when God is inviting us to it. Yeah, I think it can be difficult, um, you know, for people, they want to experience uh, the reading trees of Avila for the first time, and they, they want to sort of jumpstart um, these graces, right? But it's it really is a, a God's gift. And she even says um, that uh, many people um, stay in uh, the, the fourth mansion, as she called it, the fourth dwelling place of the interior castle, and and don't really experience in their lifetime these more mystical experiences. And that's really because uh, God's giving us what we need uh, in the active forms of prayer. Um, those are bearing fruit. Those are, uh, those are affecting our will uh, to love, to know and to love God more. Right, yeah. So if we use the example of the four waters that we talked about in the last episode, um, it, it wouldn't make sense if we had water in a well 
and we were able to draw up the water and water our plants, it wouldn't make sense for us to stop and just wait for rain if there wasn't any rain. Mm -hmm. Like we need to keep doing the work of of drawing up the the bucket and watering the plants while God's providing that water for us. Yeah, and I think in the midst of prayer, um, yeah, this this experience of uh, of drawing the water from the well is it's it's enjoyable. So we should be we should be enjoying the fruits that God's giving us, um, because otherwise uh, we're essentially uh, rejecting the gifts, the graces that God's giving us, and saying that you know I want something more advanced or better or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the mistake to think that this is better, but. It's, it's obviously not better, again, to sit there and wait for rain because then our plants are just going to die. The, mm-hmm. the, be- the better thing is for us to continue to water in, and, the, in the way that God's providing us the water. Yeah, and as Teresa says, that faking it is, is not prayer. Right. right. It's, it, it ceases to be uh, anything at all. Right. Yeah, and so our job is, is always, if, we're finding, if, we're, if we are finding that the time of prayer is is beneficial for us in loving um, to be doing spiritual reading or to be meditating or to be praying vocal prayers and devotionals, we should keep at those things because, um, yeah, we're, we're drawing a lot of fruit from those. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not until we experience those signs that we talked about before when we're all, we, we don't have a desire for these things and we can no longer do them. Um, that is then the the sign, perhaps, that it's time to to open ourselves up, to lay them aside, and open ourselves up to receive what God wants to give to us at that time. Yeah, I think that's a good sort of segue into the second danger right. um, of of not wanting uh, to to move into uh, the more passive forms of prayer. Um, and it really it, it can be because it can become it's so different, it's so strange, uh, it's 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 something we're not used to. Um, so it can be. Yeah, it can be scary, and I think it's also a, it can be uh, we can become attached um, to previous forms of prayer uh, that were bearing fruit in certain ways in our prayer, um, but now aren't, and we can become confused or uh, just sort of attached or angry with God because uh, something that was bearing fruit before um, doesn't seem to be working. Right. Yeah, we can see again. Uh, I think of you know people have shared about their experience of this, and often it's a, a sort of fear that they're becoming lazy or that um, they're doing something wrong in prayer. And so they just keep at the same thing because they think that that's what they're supposed to be doing in this time of prayer uh, when really God's inviting us to something new. Um, but we have to be receptive to that and open ourselves up to to that. Yeah, I think, I think one of the reasons why, um, and I think and John talks about this, St. John on the Cross talks about this a lot um, in the sense that the... Uh, this 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 change, this difference, um, it really has a lot to do with um, sort of the structure of our interior, the structure of our soul, um, and how we're so used of exper- to experiencing things sensibly um, and using our senses. And we know uh, what we know through our senses and what, from what's around us. Um, well, when God starts to communicate to us in a different way that we're not used to, uh, because it's a supernatural, it's not a natural way, but a supernatural way, um, that can be strange and, and our senses don't know what's happening and our intellect is confused and right. um, so that can be very difficult for people right because suddenly like like john talks about we're experiencing a, uh, an aridity an emptiness a, a dryness in prayer um, or like Teresa of avila talks about we're experiencing um 
peace, yet our our mind might be, our imagination might be wandering all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it's not uh, it's something that we have to grow into, I think, slowly, mm-hmm. um, and something that I think we need guidance in. Um, if yeah. we feel like um, God is inviting us to this more receptive prayer, um, but we're not certain. Uh, it's a good time to, to perhaps meet with a priest or a spiritual director and talk about these things mm-hmm. um, because it can be hard from our own experience to discern these things happening in us. Often we experience it as um, a sort of rejection by God or we can experience it as a um, just yeah a despondency on our own part when really we're doing all the right things and God is actually leading us in that way. He's helping us to detach ourselves from the things that we have grown attached to, the comforts of prayer from before. Mm-hmm. So in concluding, I, I think it's important to just re- recall the fact that um, this this type of passive prayer is something that isn't just for, um, you know, religious or priests um, or I know we have in our mind like just for the saints, you know. Um, this is actually something that God calls all all types of people to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, as we're growing in our spiritual life, we have to remain open to this and realize that God might be leading us in this direction. Yeah. And we always want to be open to the grace that God wants to give us and not to, and not to impede that or to reject it. Uh, so that's always, that's always very important when we're, when we're talking about, uh, yeah, letting God do what God wants to do. Yeah. And then before perhaps we, we close with another reading from Teresa of Avila, um, I just maybe introduce what we're going to talk about next week. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk some about difficulties in prayer, yeah. um, some of the things that we face, whether that be uh, dryness or distractions. These are all things that, um, that Teresa of Avila experienced, that John of the Cross experienced, that we experienced. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are our these are, are normal experiences in prayer. And so hopefully next week we can unpack some about those sort of difficulties that we we all experience during our times of prayer. Before we uh, close out with our reading and, and sort of wrap up the episode, I also want to encourage people um, to uh, interact with uh, some of the discussion questions that have been happening um, on our YouTube channel. I know some people are listening to this on podcasts, whether it be Spotify or um, Apple Podcasts. Um, there's lots of good discussion going on in the comment sections on YouTube. So uh, when you're done driving and you get home, definitely check that out. Um, and there's some great opportunities. Uh, our final episode for this season um, will be sort of a viewer's choice, I guess you could say. Uh, so we're looking for good topics uh, that maybe people want to hear more about, um, whether it's something that we've touched on, but uh, maybe we can go that you know viewers want us to, or listeners want us to go deeper into, um, or whether it be something completely different. And we've had a lot of good sort of input so far, uh, but that's definitely uh, something that we want to invite everyone uh, to participate in. Yes. Uh, so to close out this episode, we have a reading, uh, as we always do, and this week we're taking from The Way of Perfection, uh, chapter 19. Um, and in this section of The Way of Perfection, uh, Teresa is talking about how it's not just uh, for you know special souls that God calls um, to contemplative prayer. Um, and she uses this analogy uh, similar to in John's gospel of, of uh, the woman at the well um, and living water. And she uses uh, the living water as sort of a, an example of uh, a gift that God is uh, desiring to give um, to, to uh, universally, you know, not just to, not just to special uh, people or just to saints. 
St. Teresa writes, Behold, the Lord invites all. Since He is truth itself, there is no reason to doubt. If this invitation were not a general one, the Lord wouldn't have called us all. And even if He called all, He wouldn't have promised, I will give you to drink. He could have said, Come, all of you, for in the end you won't lose anything, and to those whom I choose I will give to drink. But since he spoke without this condition to all, I hold as certain that all those who do not falter on the way will drink this living water. May the Lord, because of who he is, give us the grace to seek this living water as it should be sought, for he promises it. Hey everyone, Brother Pier Giorgio here. Thanks for checking out this episode of CarmelCast. If you want to hear more of us, don't forget to click subscribe. Want more information on Carmelite spirituality and the Discalced Carmelite Saints? Then you'll want to check out our website, www.icspublications.org. There's a link in the description of this episode. From here, you can see all our current promotions and access our complete catalog for the writings of St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, and St. Edith Stein. If you want to stay up to date on all our promotions and new titles, then be sure to add your email to our email list. There's no better way to stay up to date on the latest Carmelite publications. Thanks for joining us, and may God bless you.